Come, Holy Spirit, as your manifest presence is here, Lord. I pray for the tangibility of your presence, that not one of us can leave this place the same, including myself, but that every time we gather in your name, we come with a, a deeper sense of expectation in you and a deeper level of consecration. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. We invite your presence in a very real and tangible way, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. It's very um, humbling. I texted Pastor last night. As, as long as we've been friends, we've known each other. We've actually worked out together at the gym back on Richmond in 610. And uh, when my office was over right there, and, um, and just when I think about the landmarks and the defining moments and people and places and the legacy that has literally uh, impacted not just our city, but the nation and the nations from Christian Tabernacle and, of course, Inspire. Um, and I look at Marcella, and I think about my early days as a young minister going through her discipleship material and, of course, the, the foundations that have been laid, sacrifices made, the price paid, uh, Pastor Hurd and your family, and the legacy that goes on and very close friends. Irvin Clark and, of course, Steve Miller and so many others. I look around and I think about what an amazing corporate anointing that rests here. But it didn't just happen overnight. It had an atmosphere that was inviting of the Lord's presence. And that's never changed. I have a friend who has one of the largest churches, has the largest church indigenously in the southern hemisphere out of Fiji. And, uh, and I remember when he was just going door to door on the 300 plus islands with a band of young people telling people about Jesus to every home and every village and every, in every city and every island of Fiji and surrounding areas. And their passion was just to tell people about Jesus. And I look at him today and he has one of the largest churches, the largest church in the Southern Hemisphere and churches all over the world. And you know what I really appreciated? He's never changed. Stewardship might look different, but the core never changes. And that's what I appreciate about Inspire and, of course, your leadership. Uh, Pastor Hurd, thank you so much. It's so humbling to be here. And I think about all the legacy that I'm stepping into. And, and I pray the Pope won't split on me today. <laughs> but, but I do think about people, places, times that do leave a lasting impact. And, um, and, and that's so true of this congregation. So thank you. And thank you for continuing to go deeper in the Lord and higher in desiring his presence than ever before so that the nations will know that Jesus Christ is Lord. You know, we see in the book of Joseph, where is your God? Well, the atmosphere of God's presence is so real that the nations won't be asking that. They're going to come and say, the presence of God is real. Amen? Um, the end of 2022, I was... Um, I was just processing and kept hearing over and over. You know when you hear a dream or, or words or, or even, uh, you know, you can hear God through his word uh, in your dreams, uh, even audibly, and there have been very rare occasions, but I have heard the Lord speak to me uh, to get my attention audibly, Doug, you know, and, um, and so I remember this one at the end of 2022, I kept hearing three specific words, and it kept getting reoccurring, and so I knew the Lord was speaking, and it kept saying, the season is coming of greater exposure, 
implosions, and explosions. And uh, of course, there's a two-edged sword to each of those words. Exposure is that God was going to put a spotlight, expose things done in darkness at every level. And it usually starts within us in the house of the Lord. And the second thing would be implosions of institutions and things that we put our security in when God says the only secure, the only unshakable kingdom, it says in Hebrews 12, is his kingdom, the kingdom of God. And we've put our hope in so many things and people and even politicians to, you know, even preachers. And I, I remember years ago, only because I've been around a long time, um, uh, that I was invited to speak at a large gathering of 17,000 delegates for a particular religion, um, political party, and I would have said the same exact thing to anybody who invited me, but just because as a leader in the city, they needed someone to kind of open up an invocation, I prayed about it, I agreed to do it, and, but on the way there, I really sensed deeply in my heart that there was a word that God wanted me to share that, that they may not want to hear. And I thought, but man, I'm a man under authority, so I, I've just been given a few moments to do an invocation. But Lord, if this is really you, not the pizza I didn't have last night, then open an opportunity. And I remember being in the green room, um, and they, uh, the person in charge, the chairman of that political party, came up and said, I am so sorry, but um, Senator so-and-so is not ready. Can you stretch your time? I went, Really? So I knew that was my open door to say what I needed to say, and I won't get into everything I said, it was just, um, I just, but I felt it was strong. I said, you know, there was a great king uh, named Hezekiah, and he said that this is a day of trouble and distress because the children are ready to come forth, but there's no strength to bring them forth. I said, there was another great king named Solomon who said, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but he also said, a merry heart does good even better than medicine. I said, this generation that's coming forth needs strength to come into its destiny. But it's going to take preachers and politicians and all in between. In fact, what we need from the pulpits of America to political offices, from preachers to politicians, is a revival of character so that we can give hope to the next generation. I really do sense that we're in that culmination moment where we can look at it the ways in the eyes of the world and listen to the news of the world, or we can begin to really go deeper in the Lord and focus and fix our eyes on the brightness of the S-O-N, fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. God has moved in significant ways through your congregation that has touched the nations and continues to do that. As, as I said earlier, I'm a beneficiary of many of those relationships and pastor for over 30 years and Marcella and your material and what a great legacy you're leaving for all of us and continue to do and of course all my friends that are here and others that have gone to be with the Lord that have been a part of this congregation that had a huge impact, an indelible impact in my life and, uh, and so I, I am appreciative of that. So I, I feel like in many ways uh, when people say to me, how did you end up in that situation and how did you meet that person or pray for that president of that Muslim country or meet with that person? I said, look, it's not because I'm anything special. It's because a long time ago in 1981, when I, the Lord said, don't call me Lord, Lord anymore unless you're willing to live for me. And even professing to be a Christian, I remember the Lord spoke to my heart and I said, Lord, if I've done anything, forgive me if I have brought shame to your name and if I've brought in any way uh, uh, just a slander to the gospel in any way because I profess to be a believer but I'm not living for you. 
that I make myself available to you the rest of my life, and I want to walk in simple obedience, which I've come to find is the highest form of worship. In fact, one of the, the wealthiest men in parts of a- throughout Asia, known all over the world, been on the cover of uh, uh, Wall Street Journal, Forbes Magazine, and all these other things, and when I first met him, I was coming out from working with underground churches in, in Vietnam, and I'd stopped into Malaysia, and they said, could you stay an extra day and speak at Full Gospel Businessmen? And I said, sure. And this was in January of 1990. And so I stayed an extra day. I went to speak at Full Gospel Businessmen's lunch. A man comes up to me and says, uh, I'm so-and-so. He says, I've been given the title that can only be given by the, by the prime minister or the king of my country. Uh, and so I, I, they call me Tan Sri, which is the highest title, like being knighted in that country. And he begins to tell me all about himself. And I said, well, sir, why are you telling me those things? I'm thinking in my mind, why are you telling me this? Are you trying to impress me? And he finally says, he says, the, the reason I'm telling you all these things about me is not to impress you, but because I've become a Christian. And I don't know who I can trust. Would you disciple me? And I said, sir, I can't disciple you from Houston, Texas. And we began to develop a friendship. I just said, let's just journey together and be friends and over the years, I had no idea just how well-known he was all over the world, and, but he's opened up opportunities to pray for ambassadors of China and from, from England and from others. He gets business leaders together when I'm visiting, and he'll bring them together and say, you need to listen to what he has to say. It's doors that are open I could have never opened on my own, and there's people far more qualified than me, but God's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for available people. Or yielded to him. So when people ask me, how did you end up in these kinds of situations? I go, you know, uh, my mother was Japanese. I'm just the Asian Forrest Gump. I just showed up in the picture. And it's so true. Even to this day, it's just being available every day and walking in simple obedience. I remember one time I went back to Malaysia and, and my friend invited all of his managing directors of all of his corporations and has a conglomerate of businesses and uh, he brought them all to the, his penthouse at the top of the floor of his, one of his buildings. And he said, I want you to listen to what Doug has to say. They go, oh, my goodness. And he says, and, and I want you to know that simple obedience is the highest form of worship. I said, Tan Sri, that is so good. Can I borrow that? He goes, my brother, I read it in your book. I go, oh, I better read my own book. <laughs> But it's true, and the first time the word worship is ever used in Scripture is not in the context of singing or instruments, but it's in the context of obedience to God. It's when Isaac was offered by Abraham that was called an act of worship. That was the first time in Scripture the word worship is ever used. God is looking for people to make themselves available and to be living worshipers, offering ourselves uh, on the altar of God is living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is the least we can do for all of what he's already done for us. And I believe we're in that place right now that God is wanting us to come back to that place, no matter how long we've been working with serving God or living for God, that we don't live on the laurels of yesterday. We don't make altars to what God has done, but we look at these great landmarks that we can build on. I tell the young generation that you limit your future with all your passion, vision, and zeal. You limit yourself on your future if you disregard the, the foundations that have been laid for you by the former generation. We need to show honor, even if we do things differently. We need to show honor and respect for those who have gone before us. 
And that's what I appreciate about this congregation. I see a multi-generational, prophetic generation. It's not just one, but it's a multi-generational. I see a Micah chapter 4 that all peoples have been gathered to the mountain of the Lord to worship together, putting aside our weapons of warfare against each other for harvesting tools together. And out of that, it says, the outcast, the lame, and the sick shall become a strong nation, or in this context, a strong church of influence. To look around and see the beautiful mosaic of crossing racial, denominational, generational lines, meeting at the cross together, that God can do something in a corporate context that's far beyond what any one of us can do alone. With one fishing pole, I catch a fish, but it's a networking together being cast by the Lord we can catch a whole lot more fish together. Amen? So anyway, these three words that God was speaking to me back in the end of 2022, and then immediately after that in January, um, I remember just waking up at night. I couldn't sleep. I was grieved about what I sensed was about to happen in an accelerated way. It's not that it hasn't already been happening, but it just, it's just I saw it coming to pass and more and more shakings and more and more uh, exposures of things and things done in darkness are coming to the light. And God, we need your grace to be poured out upon your people in the midst of these shakings, in the midst of all that's going on, in the midst of the exposures. Would you also spotlight what you are doing in, in a way that the world will see what God is doing rather than what the world is up to? And then in the middle of all that, all the shakings and the implosions of institutions and, and then ultimately that the explosions, the things that we would see happening that maybe would cause our hearts to be overwhelmed. But the Lord's reminding me the explosions aren't just what's happening in the negative sense. It's where he wants to be explosively showing up in the midst of it all. That God wants to show up with the dunamis power of God. That God wants to do one of those sudden, you know, over 88 times or 80-something times in Scripture we see the word suddenly. But it's never suddenly to God. It was suddenly to us, like in Acts chapter 2, but God already had it all set together. It wasn't a suddenly to him. He already had every nation known in the known world of the time in Jerusalem at that moment for Pentecost. So when he showed up in a suddenly moment, not to him, he had already planned it all. And when he showed up, it became a suddenly to us. And in one day, thousands were added to the church. I think we're ready for a suddenly moment again. God did that in 1996 at, at Inspire Christian Tab. God's done it over the years, and God's done a deep and wide work through this congregation. But I believe God's about to do another suddenly moment, those, those where God just, God steps down from heaven, and God does a work in those divine moments. We see that even in the 1990s and then the 80s, and there's been pockets of every decade or so that God's been doing something in this city doing things here in this congregation, doing things in, in my life and the, the realms of influence and relationship that I have. But I'm waiting for that corporate outpouring anointing that transcends any one of us that God just does it. We go, wow, that's God. How many are waiting, waiting for that to happen? But I believe because you have attracted God's presence, and I'm not going to go into all those, but the first service I talked about the four things that attract his presence Holiness, not an external piety, but a deeper consecration of the heart that says, God, my life is not my own. Second is a place of humility. And that's not self-defacing, but humility is understanding that we can have a confidence in God, but it only comes in him, not in our works of our flesh. Because too many people can become self-righteous, self-absorbed, self-centered, 
You take selfies. I mean, everything's self, self, self. And A.W. Tozer said that self is the opaque veil that hides the face of God from us. We need the face of God more than ever. And as you've heard it preached here over the years, more than a handout, we don't need God's, God's hand. We need, his, we need his face to see him face to face. And how many know that that's what this world is looking for? And sometimes there's a lot of voices and noise pollution, but God's voice is louder than the voices of this world. I was helping to put together a national uh, prayer gathering in Philadelphia back in 2012, and I've been a part of these kinds of things and psalm assemblies. And so in 2012, I was asked to go to Philadelphia back and forth and meeting with people. One businessman who was retired from Wall Street was telling me a story. He said his son, when he was in high school, was really good at crew and doing, you know, the, the boats and stuff. And he was a major regatta was coming up. And, and all these university scouts were going to be there to see his son, Brandon. And so there was thousands of people screaming. And, and he told his son, he goes, son, I hope it's not going to embarrass you. But every time that you're out there doing your crew and you're doing regatta, he goes, I'm so proud of you, son, that I can't help but scream and cheer and run down the things, praying, I mean, screaming for you and cheering for you. He goes, dad... I love it when you do that. You don't get it. I don't care about all those other voices. I don't even hear all those other voices. All I hear is the voice of my father encouraging me. And when I heard that, I said, God, there's so many voices out there. I just want to hear the voice of my heavenly father. I just need to hear you saying, well, you know, in... This is how God speaks to me sometimes, but, you know, in uh, Forrest Gump, run, Forrest, run. I hear the Lord's voice saying, run, Doug, run. I mean, God is encouraging us. You know, when I think about when Jesus got baptized in the Jordan River and, and, uh, and John the Baptist was saying, you, have, you should be baptizing me, not me, you. And Jesus said, suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. And when he was being baptized... It says, the heavens rend open, and the voice of God said, the voice of the Father said, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. But when you think about it, it's like God saying, that's my boy. That's my boy. But if you look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, it says, we give thanks to the Father. Not just one day, as Pastor Hurt said, we should be thanking God every day, but giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to receive the inheritance as a children of the light. And it goes on to say, because of the son of his love, by which all things are made to, through, for, and by him, the things seen and unseen, every principality, rulership, kingdom, and, 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 uh, and the rulers of this world are subject to him, the preeminent one. That means there's nothing greater than the name and power of Jesus. It's not using him as the man upstairs, God, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Remember when Jesus was in the crowds and he says, who touched me? And people were thronging him. And his disciples said, Jesus, everybody's here to see you. Can you imagine being in, in crowds and like a parade or a carnival and you have all these people and, and all of a sudden there's an attention on one specific person. Well, Jesus was the specific focus of everyone that was there. And so he said, who touched me? And it was the woman with the issue of blood who touched the tzitzis, the, the very dangling tassels on his, on his robe. And it wasn't even touching him face to face. It wasn't even touching his, his shoulder. It was just if I could get through the crowds to get to the lowest, lowest part of his garment. 
He can tell the difference between those who are there to see him, to get something from him, to those who really touched him. We can go to Christian concerts, we can go to celebrations, but there's a difference between touching him. I believe God's about to do us suddenly so he can touch us. So holiness is attractive. Humility is attractive. Uh, honor is attractive. To honor those who've gone before us. To honor other people. Appre- to honor your spouse. Appreciation releases something because when you appreciate and are thankful, it releases blessing back. When we diminish people, when we demean people, when we depreciate people, then there's a resistance put up. There's a way to get to the heart, even in our disagreements. You know, I've always learned that the best way is to touch people's hearts instead of arguing the mind. If they can see the tangibility of Christ, it draws them to see Christ is real in us. I remember a time years ago, there was a disc jockey on a secular radio station. He hated Christians. He hated me because he would come out and I'd be on the streets talking to people about Jesus and he'd try to disrupt me and, and try to get me to respond in the flesh. And, and back in those days in my 20s and 30s, um, if somebody punched me, I'd probably punch him back even as a preacher. I said, take my ordination card for a second. And, but God wouldn't let me do that. Back one uh, guy was twice my size, a former gang member I was trying to minister to, came in and tried to disrupt one of our meetings and and, uh, and he, stood be- he, he was standing in front of me. His, one of his girlfriends from the streets was standing behind me saying, just leave me alone. I want to hear what they have to say. He goes, he goes, I respect you, Doug, but you're going down if you don't get out of the way. She's my property. Now, I remember that he came at me, and I just trying to protect myself, just pushed him back, said, chill out. And that was a mistake, because next thing you know, he's throwing punches. And, you know, I used to be a Golden Gloves boxer and, uh, in high school, now, I have to say, I only boxed twice, won both times and quick because my nose was already too flat. <laughs> but I was also a wrestler, and I was a wrestling champion in the Far East in 1974, and uh, first Japan, second all Far East in my weight class. And so I kept thinking, Lord, let me punch him. He was swinging. I felt like punching him, and the Lord wouldn't let me punch him. But he kept swinging. I was, I was like slow motion, like huh, blocking the punch. Wow, that's pretty cool. Like <laughs> Bruce Lee kind of a thing or Jackie Chan, you know? So I didn't even ask the Lord. I figured, at least I can defend myself. So I took him down, threw him to the ground, yanked him out. He goes, dude, you're bad. You're bad. I was thinking, yeah, I am kind of bad. I don't <laughs> But I remember this guy used to always harass me, this disc jockey. And finally, I was on a two-hour live Christian talk show. And, uh, and he started calling, changed his name, harassing me on the radio show. And he was obsessed and finally, I said, is this so-and-so? He goes, uh, 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 yeah, how'd you know? I said, well, I can tell it's by your voice and your attitude towards me. I said, but let me ask you a question. Where are all your friends when you really need them? He goes, what do you mean? My friends, we stick together. We cut for one another. I go, really? Where were your friends last month when you couldn't pay your rent and your light bill? He goes, how'd you know about that? I go, it doesn't matter. You know, I'm part ninja, right? It doesn't matter. <laughs> how I found out, but my little team, we found out, so we took up our personal offering out of our own pockets, and we anonymously paid your rent and your light bill, and he got really quiet. I said, I never thought we were ever going to have to tell you that, because, you know, we just did it because God said to do it. Well, later when I found out, he, I was at Phoenix speaking at a Mission America gathering, and I found out that he was back in the hospital, full-blown AIDS, 
So I called another young man that come to the Lord through, the, uh, through our ministry who had also had HIV, and I said, Bill, would you go and see him in the hospital? And when he got there, the first thing this person said was, why would you do what you did for me? He goes, that's what Christians do. He goes, yeah, but you would never got any credit. If I would have never known. He goes, that's not what the deal. We just simply obeyed what God said to do. He was so touched by that 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 night he gave his life to the Lord and he passed away the next day. I shared that story at a large church in Conroe between services and I never say his name. So I, I shared the story before the second service. A woman comes up to me and says, can I ask you, was his name such and such? I said, yes, did you know him? She goes, that was my son. I had been praying, God, would you bring people along the way to reach my son? See, the power of the name of Jesus, but also the tangibility of coming with an opposite spirit. Mamas, don't stop praying. Grandmas, don't stop praying. God hears your prayers. God hears your tears. Amen? So, holiness, humility, honor, and also being honest with God and with ourselves. Now, those three words, I want to just touch on one in the last few moments we have. Exposure. On Easter of this year, um, I decided to go play some pickleball afterwards because some young people have been saying it's non-contact, go with us to go play. And I said, okay, so my wife and I went. We went to play. It was a concrete thing. I'm thinking, okay, pickleball, but I'm still very, I turned, you know, 50 for the 17th time last month. <laughs> And I'm still very competitive. I still like to go work out. You know, Steve and I work out at the same gym sometimes, and, and uh, I still like to work out at my age. I mean, I can't run very good anymore, but I, I wanted to work. I like to work out. So I thought, okay, pickleball, you know. We get out there. I got so competitive. I did a few football rolls, you know, and I couldn't stop. My mind says stop. My body says can't do it. And finally, one time, I went to do a backhand, and my body couldn't stop, and the concrete decided it wanted to meet my face. Ended up breaking some bones in my face. And so some friends of mine, some doctors said, you need to get that checked and all this other stuff. I won't get into all the details. X-rays, and they said, send us the x-rays, send us the scans. So I sent it to them. They said, Doug, you need to go get checked. One, for concussion. Also, we also need to get checked because we found what looks like an, an aortic aneurysm. So my hard-headedness, which seemed to be a... a bad situation turned into an opportunity for them to expose something you normally never find out till after it's too late. God is trying to get our attention to expose the hidden things, to expose things that maybe circumstances and experiences we have in life that maybe we thought were terrible or opportunities for God to do a work of healing. I kept waking up and hearing the Lord speak, and, and I remember back in January, I was getting to that story, and, and I kept waking up, and Lisa was already asleep, and, and I kept hearing a Keith Green song, and he was singing the rendition of Psalm 51, verse 10, creating me a clean heart, O God. Kept getting that in my mind, so I turned on my phone and played it softly over and over and just began to weep. That's it, God. 
All these things that are happening, all the voices out there, we need to hear the voice of the Father. We need to hear God speaking to us that you've got this. I'm with you. And just like Colossians 1.12, that because of the son of his love, that now God is speaking to every woman and every man and saying, that's my boy. That's my girl. Because of Christ, his son, now he can look at us and say, that's my boy. That's my girl. That God is encouraging us that no matter what we hear, no matter what circumstances we go through, God is working on our behalf. That we're living in a time where Luke 21, where all the day, things are happening in the world, all these different wars and rumors of wars and racial division, political division, things happening. My wife and I just literally came back from the Ukraine in a war-torn area, and we, we see things happen in the Middle East. Things are happening everywhere that we don't understand. Our hearts are overwhelmed. It's being perplexed by the things that are happening on the earth. And yet God is reminding us this is not a time to fall asleep from sorrow, be drugged by grief, but it's a time to recognize, to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, because in him we have authority. We have his authority to speak into the seen and unseen realm. There's a power in the name of Jesus to save, heal, liberate, deliver, and bring freedom. We have this great resource, Jesus said in Luke 21, 13, in the midst of it all, he says, but church, this is an opportunity or the occasion for your testimony. Amen. When the world is a mess, the world needs to know there is hope in the midst of the storm. The world needs to see lighthouses that bring light in the midst of fog, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the darkness. They need to see us now as we say, Lord, we want to join in Psalm 110, verse 2 and 3. We want to be a part of an army of volunteers for the day of your power. This is our moment. This is our time. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. And then we see all these things happening, and then even the prophetic drama of what I went through became, I always like to get a message out of it, right? So I go, okay, my hard-headedness, God's trying to expose the heart to protect us, to heal us, and I realized God was doing just that. So thank God that that was exposed even through the experience so that God could give us a message of getting back to our first love. God wants the heart of his people back. God wants to... You know, when we talk about the house of God, Bethel, Bethel means house of God, but God is saying, I don't want you to worship just the institution. I want you to worship the God of the institution. We need the incarnational presence of God. That's what God did in the 1990s, right here in 1996 with the pulpit splitting. It wasn't because about the pulpit. It was because of the manifest, tangible, suddenly presence of God that came, but one thing I noticed about every great move of God is what I noticed, even the leadership of this congregation, holiness, humility, honor, and honesty. There was an authentic sense of, I, I remember times, Pastor Heard may not remember, but we, I'd be at places, we're at TBN somewhere, and we were doing, getting interviewed, and I just noticed that one thing was so prevalent to me. It wasn't about telling the stories. It was about the presence of God, the humility that was all over Pastor Heard. And I said, God, that's what I need in my life. I want to walk in that kind of humility that brings the presence of God. Without even saying a word, you can sense the presence of God. 2 Corinthians 2.14, God always leads us to victory or triumph through Christ Jesus so that we can become a dispenser of the fragrance of heaven. There's something about before we even speak, if we've been in the presence of God before we even speak, God begins to move.
Now, let me encourage those of you here right now that are going through personal things in the context of being overwhelmed by the things that are happening in the world. Don't let grief and sorrow become a drug. Discouragement is a powerful drug. Don't be discouraged in the journey because God is still bigger than the giants, bigger than your circumstance. He is the God that keeps his promise. We have a word in Japanese. I had a Japanese wrestling sensei who used to always say to me, Gambate yo, gambate yo. When I felt like my back was about, get, about to get pinned, I felt like there was nothing I could do. I had no strength left. I hear the voice of my sensei saying, Gambate yo, gambate yo. That means you got this, you can do this. And all of a sudden, all the instinctive training of being in training is like even in the Word now, all the training of being in the presence of God, seeking worship, worshiping Him in spirit and in truth, all these things, when our moments of challenge come, instinctively we hear the voice of the Father saying, you got this. You got this. And in that moment, we get up off our back, get off that situation, and stand up and go, by the power of the Holy Ghost, in the name of Jesus. Salvation, healing, liberation, and deliverance. Now, let me conclude with this. I'm never finished. I'm just going to quit. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here. How many here have a need of a miracle in your life? I'm not even talking about the miracles of what's happening around the world. I'm talking about in your personal life. You need a breakthrough. You need a healing in your body, spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, financially. You need a breakthrough right now. Before I pray for that, because God's going to do a corporate anointing. I I just sense that the first service didn't share this. But just like with Hannah in the tabernacle of Shiloh, out of her desperation, she heard a word that became a word from God for her from a faulted priest named Eli. But she took it as the word of the Lord when he said, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you the petition you've asked of him this day. In a moment, I'm going to pray over us corporately. And I've seen God do literal miracles. I've seen literally a woman with issue of blood in Australia. I went to pray for her. I was leaving town. The pastor wanted me to go pray. And all these years later, she's still alive. And they didn't expect her to live but a few hours. By simply saying what Eli said to Hannah, but I say it this way, go in peace. And may the Lord Jesus Christ grant you the the petition of your heart today. And I say it three times, and not because I say it, it's because it's in the Word, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So in a moment, I'm going to pray for us to walk in that kind of breakthrough. I've seen in a church here in Houston a few years ago, I prayed that just in a generic way, and a woman comes up just crying, saying, I had this huge tumor on my throat. It's gone. So I don't, you know, I don't, every, God knows, and everybody's story is different. God did a process in healing me of stage four cancer in 2015, but I decided not to make the focus on the cancer, but on serving God even through my circumstance. I lost all my hair, but I never stopped traveling. I kept preaching the word. And people say, how can you preach for miracles when you, you have that in your body? I says, because my circumstance doesn't change who God is. But God changes my circumstance. In fact, I got some messages from some friends here in this congregation that said that my wife's book, God Did Not Do This to Me, tells a story about what I went through, ministered to them. So thank you for encouraging us that we did the right thing to put that book out, tell the story, but from her perspective rather than mine. Because how many know spouses experience the challenge in a different way than the person going through the challenge themselves? But before I pray for that corporate anointing, 
because the anointing is already here, not because of me. It's already, it's in a corporate sense, it's been a part of this congregation. We're stepping into a well. But before I do that, because I believe God wants to expose our own hearts, because we could say we're Christians, but for a long time, we've gotten away from our first love. And he wants to expose our own hearts by being honest with him, which is attractive to him. There are five sins that kept Israel out of the promised land for 40 years. 1 Corinthians 10, you can read it for yourself later. One is lust. Scripture says that lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life. The second is idolatry. What is that? Anything that masters our affections more than Jesus. And three is sexual morality. What is that? It's not just fornication or adultery. But what are we allowing into our eyes, into our ears, into our spirit? The shar'ar, the gateway to our heart. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Not what you think in your mind, but what you've allowed in your mind to get to your heart. Sexual morality. What are we allowing, watching on the computer or thing? What are we putting into our eye gate or, our, or listening to that goes into our spirit that, that then puts a bondage on the temple of the Holy Spirit? The fourth is tempting Christ. What is tempting Christ? It's like me back in 1981 when God finally got a hold of me. It's to say I'm a Christian, but I'm not living as, as a Christian. Maybe around Christians, I know how to say the Christianese, but I wasn't living for him out there. Tempting Christ is to say we're one thing, but living another. It's the greatest form of hypocrisy. The great ancient Greek word for hypocrisy just meant stage actor, pretender. And then the fifth is what stops all of us from growing in this corporate, suddenly anointed that God wants, and that's called murmuring. Great moves of God have been inhibited because of people who get offended and they begin to undermine one another, begin to talk down behind our backs. How many of you know that everything you speak, they may not hear, but it's still out there in the spirit realm, in the unseen realm. When I send a text, and some of you that have been texting this morning even while I'm preaching, just kidding, or sending pictures, you don't see it going through the air, but it doesn't mean it doesn't exist because in a moment, it goes across the world or wherever you want, an email, a text. We don't see it because it's a realm that's real that we may not see. But nonetheless, there are all these words and all these text messages and all these emails and all these pictures flying through the sky that we can't even see, but it's real. It's the unseen realm that we have authority over in Jesus' name. But murmuring is like, a, is like a spiritual immune deficiency disease. Cells of the body destroying cells of the body. Great moves of God have been inhibited when we need to be focusing together on something bigger than ourselves than on the things that we might be going through personally. I have a friend that was locked up in prison in Pakistan by his dad who was a general because he became a Christian. Today he travels all over the world doing all kinds of crusades. And he wrote something from his prison experience. He said, I could have become bitter or better. He became stronger in the Lord, became better, not bitter. And as a result, was able to lead thousands upon thousands to the Lord. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask us to be honest with God. If there are things in your life you know that are not pleasing to the Lord, lust, idolatry, sexual morality, tempting Christ, murmuring, the Holy Spirit's convicting you. Then let's start right here. On the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to be honest with me. If there's something in your life, better to expose yourself to God than to be exposed. So on the count of three, 
If there's things in your life you know that are not pleasing to the Lord, just stand with me. One, two, three. Thank you for your honesty. We weren't able to do this in the first service, but I'm going to ask those that are standing, I know as many of us, would you just come and stand with me? I'm going to pray for us, we're going to pray together, and then we're going to pray for the corporate anointing, for the breakthrough healings that we need, the healing and the breakthroughs that we might need. If you're not coming up, or you're, if you're still standing, but you, you say, I need a breakthrough or a fresh anointing, you need a fresh drink from the wilderness journey, then you join in on this prayer as well. Would you put your hands on your heart and pray with me like you really mean it? Say with me, Lord Jesus... Do it like you mean it. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins and the things I've done that have broken your heart and brought shame to your name. Right now by faith, I give you the right to change my life the way I think. Change my heart. Help me to be what you want me to be. Right now by faith, I receive in my spirit forgiveness and sins and a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Now listen to me. I'm going to pray this prayer over you like Eli said to Hannah, but you want, I want you to receive it in Jesus' name and receive your miracle breakthrough physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, financially, whatever, marriage. How many can trust God to do a work for you right now? that only God can do. God does a battle for you. Now listen to me. I'm do it three times. Thus saith the Lord, go in peace, and may the Lord Jesus Christ grant you the desires of your heart today. And again I say to you, thus saith the Lord, go in peace, and may the Lord Jesus Christ grant you the desires of your heart today. And again I say to you, go in peace, and may the Lord Jesus Christ grant you the desires of your heart today. Father, I thank you now for all my brothers and sisters. I thank you, Lord, that the name of Jesus is above every name. There's power in the name, power in the name of Jesus. So I'm praying for salvation and healing and liberation and deliverance and freedom for the, the unsaved loved ones that we've been praying for. I pray that even this week you would give us a word of encouragement. God, I thank you for physical healing, for financial breakthroughs. I'm praying, Lord, whatever the heart cry is right now, you know what it is. You hear. You hear the prayers and the tears. You hear the prayers of tears, God. So right now I'm asking for the manifest presence of the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Amen.